welcome to Little Yo Pod, the All Things Yosemite podcast. I'm Laura Jackson, an interpretive guide and naturalist who has lived and worked in the park since 2004, and I'm here to share stories and features of Yosemite and the Sierra Nevada that I have found compelling from my time spent there. Now, you could say I have spent some time in the mountains, mostly in the Sierra Nevada, but I have also visited a few not many, but a few other mountain ranges, mostly in the western United States. And one thing I can say about the Sierra Nevada mountains is that you really can't ask for better weather conditions. While thunder, lightning, and heavy rain, sleet, and snow can be a near-daily event in the Rocky Mountains, we are blessed with moderate weather in California that makes the high peaks of the Sierra Nevada more hospitable and arguably safer for climbing and hiking than the neighboring ranges further east. Which is why that name, Sierra Nevada, doesn't seem totally appropriate for our Fairweather range. It means snowy mountain range and was a description used by 18th century Spanish explorers to describe the interior mountains that they saw from the coastal areas of California. But perhaps a more appropriate name would have been John Muir's suggestion described in his book, The Yosemite. John Muir writes, At my feet, no Scottish accent here, sorry. At my feet lay the great central valley of California, level and flowery, like a lake of pure sunshine. And from the eastern boundary of this vast golden flower bed rose the mighty Sierra, miles in height and so gloriously colored and so radiant, it seemed not clothed with light, but wholly composed of it, like the wall of some celestial city. Then it seemed to me that the Sierra should be called not Nevada or Snowy Range, but the Range of Light. Anyone who has been in Yosemite at sunset may know what John Muir meant when he referred to these mountains as the Range of Light. There is something magical that takes place during the golden hour of the day as we slip into night. The sun's rays stretch just as far as possible as it dips below the horizon, and every exposed piece of granite turns from a cool gray to a warm, rosy hue. We know this visual phenomenon as alpenglow. It's spelled A-L-P-E-N-G-L-O-W. And it is a beloved bookend to another perfect day in the mountains. For most days of the year, in the late afternoon, you can expect to see at least a dozen or more photographers with their cameras and tripods set up on Sentinel Bridge in Yosemite Valley. They're all jammed together, conversing, and sometimes even laughing with one another, and there's a buzz of excitement about them. Every one of their cameras are directed toward Half Dome, but the shutters aren't clicking just yet. They're waiting. The sunlight on Half Dome in the afternoon reaches all the way down the rock into the trees below. And slowly, the trees become enveloped in shadows as the sun dips lower in the western sky and the light creeps further up the rock. As the light disappears, it also starts to change the color on Half Dome from gray to yellow to a warm orange and then to red. And suddenly, the highest peaks in the Sierra Nevada are washed in pink. Every shutter starts clicking away, capturing hundreds of images of Alpenglow on Half Dome in every phase until the light disappears altogether. Alpenglow is a fantastic visual phenomenon that takes place as the sun rises or sets in a mountain environment. The name comes from a German word, 
forgive me for this, Alpengluen, gluen, meaning to glow, and it is caused either by direct or indirect sunlight. Now, there's some argument in the photography world about what officially uh, constitutes alpenglow, but for the sake of simplicity, we'll be talking about the reaction of direct light on the rock. Um, that's what we see when the sunlight no longer reaches an observer on the ground, but is still reaching the highest visible points of a surrounding area. And this is the alpenglow that visitors to Yosemite Valley will be most familiar with and most likely uh, expect to see on their visit. But what is this magic of the nature gods? Stay tuned to find out after this short break. Hey guys, I want to take a minute to tell you about the podcast hosting site, Buzzsprout. Anyone who knows me knows that I am obsessed with podcasts and I've always wanted one of my own. But the thing that held me back for far too long was how to get started. It seemed really complicated and honestly, it kind of is. That's why I was excited to find the podcast hosting site, Buzzsprout. The site is super user-friendly with step-by-step guides to getting your own podcast out of your digital files and into podcast land. Within a week of signing up, I had my first episode of Little Yo Pod up and running on all the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. But that's not all. Buzzsprout also offers an attractive hosting site for your podcast, fast customer support, and tons of tutorials and advice on how to create great content and build your audience. There's really no better time to start a podcast, and Buzzsprout is here to help you every step of the way with plans starting as low as $12 a month. And right now, they're offering a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan by following the link in today's show notes. Join Little Yo Pod and over 100,000 other creators who made their podcasting dreams come true with Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout, make podcasting possible. And now, back to the show. To understand how Alpenglow works, we must understand a little bit about how light works. Before light from the sun reaches us on Earth, it must travel through space. The light from the sun makes an 8 minute and 20 second journey of 93 million miles before it reaches us on Earth. And on that journey, light beams interact with a lot of molecules in the atmosphere. Colors uh, in light with shorter wavelengths such as blue, indigo, and violet are scattered away when they interact with molecules in the atmosphere. However, colors with longer wavelengths endure less friction and are able to continue on. Since the light from the sun has to travel further through the atmosphere, the lower the sun is on the horizon, uh, we see more of the colors with the longer wavelengths. So what do you think some of those colors might be? Well, they're combinations of the colors of the sunset, such as red, orange, and yellow. I find a good way to remember different wavelengths of light as they relate to color by picturing a rainbow. The longest band of the rainbow on the top is red, while the shorter bands of the rainbow on the bottom are the cooler blue colors. If you're standing on Sentinel Bridge in Yosemite Valley as the sun sets, depending on atmospheric conditions, you will see the light on Half Dome slowly change from a whitish gray that it's been all day long to yellow, and then to yellow-orange, and then to a beautiful pink or rose color. Eventually, 
Only the northwest face of Half Dome is illuminated, and the surrounding landscape is cloaked in shadows. It's like a spotlight from the gods is directing your attention to exactly where it needs to be in that moment. And it is arguably one of the most spectacular transitions of day turning into night in the natural world. Alpenglow is not to be missed in Yosemite. Even if you only have one day in the park, sticking around for sunset is a worthy investment of your time. You don't have to pay for it, you don't have to wait in line for it, and you don't even need any fancy equipment to experience it. But you might be surprised by just how many people choose to spend this magical time of day. Sitting down for dinner, standing in line to purchase souvenirs, or even driving away from Yosemite as the wonder of the golden hour goes on without them ever noticing. I think sometimes we are led to believe that our experience in special places like Yosemite, or even in life for that matter, is defined by how much we get accomplished or what we accumulate. There is this go, go, go mentality that has prevailed in our society until recently. Many of us have been forced to slow down and see things that we may not have seen before. But the wonders of this planet are not tucked away inside climate-controlled environments. They are not on our myriad of screens, and they're not in a ceramic mug with our name on it. The wonders of this planet are free and for everyone, only requiring a little patience and attention. So the next time you're in Yosemite, be sure to stick around for sunset and our famous Alpenglow phenomenon. You may find that the best souvenirs you take from your trip are the ones nature gives you for free. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Lil Yo Pod, the All Things Yosemite podcast. If you like this stuff, I'm going to ask you to tell a friend. Or you can tell all of your friends. You can impress them with your knowledge of how light works, and then you can let them know where you learned about it. If you'd like to contact me with any questions, comments, or concerns, even if you want to argue the case of direct versus indirect light for the Alpenglow effect, you can email me at littleyopod at gmail.com. You can also follow and like the Little Yo Pod Facebook page for updates on Yosemite and the podcast, as well as photos and other resources. And this week, I'm going to include some of my own photos of Alpenglow and other light phenomenon. This week's fun fact is not actually a fact, but is more of a tip. While conditions for Alpenglow vary for different seasons and different atmospheric conditions, a general rule in the photography world, excuse me, the photography, <laughs> I can't say this word, photography world, <laughs> for the best photo opportunity is to arrive uh, about an hour before sunrise or sunset. Another important factor to keep in mind, uh, make sure that you're actually facing the feature that is receiving direct light at the appropriate time of day. Since Half Dome sits on the eastern side of Yosemite Valley, one getting up before the sun expecting to capture Alpenglow at sunrise on Half Dome may be disappointed. A better bet for early birds would be to head to El Cap Meadow to catch the morning light as it illuminates the impressive and appropriately named Dawn Wall of El Capitan. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Little Yo Pod. I'm Laura Jackson. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful day.